I'm from Boston. I do not even need to watch sports to talk about sports because I have grown up with sports. Okay, this is going to sound like a cult ritual to anybody who is not from Boston. But when I was in middle school, now I want to talk about real person fan fiction, which is where people write fan fiction about actual living human beings that are in the meat space. This stuff is weird as hell. I don't really consume it. I don't get it. But Hello, and welcome to Humans of Magic, the show that gets up deep and personal with your favorite Magic the Gathering personalities. I'm your host, James Sue. You are listening to episode 99 with Amy the Amazonian. Amy streams Magic Arena on Twitch, but she's actually a veteran of the streaming format. She's been streaming for over a decade and definitely shares a few stories about what that's like. Sometimes for Humans of Magic, we talk about having a deep conversation, talk about a fun conversation. I would say that this one is just one of the most fun and wacky episodes I've had the pleasure of recording this year. Amy is from Boston, and we certainly had a lot of fun talking about sports because apparently all Bostonians, is that what you call it? Bostonians have a lot to do with sports, have a lot of interest in sports, and... I may have also revealed a bit too much about my basketball fandom in this one. Amy's great. We had a wonderful conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Now, just a few quick words before we get started. I would love to get your support on Humans of Magic, the project. So if you have not had the chance, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Both accounts can be found at Humans of Magic, one word. We also have a new Patreon, patreon.com slash humansofmagic. If you want to join our exclusive Discord community, you want me to help review your podcast or content, happy to do that through the Discord and the Patreon. I have switched to a weekly release format. So Humans of Magic is always going to be free. It's always going to be a labor of love, but the Patreon is going to go a long way to cover the additional intensity of the workload and i'm really happy to do weekly episodes i want to get more humans and magic content out so your support is always appreciated the phenomenal music you hear in this episode and every episode of humans and magic is supplied by kupla that's spelled k-u-p-l-a kupla is an absolutely fantastic musician he's a magic player and you can find all of his music on all the streaming platforms, including Spotify and SoundCloud. Definitely give him a follow on Twitter as well, Kupla Sound, and uh, tell him Humans and Magic said hi. Amy, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing pretty well. It's a very warm day in Boston. So um, yeah, you know, breaking out the summer dresses, uh, drinking iced tea out on the patio, stuff like that. Thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to, to talk to me. I think today's a U.S. holiday, is it? It or? is. It's Memorial Day. And I think you are technically in the future. So happy Tuesday. Yes. Thank you. I am from the future. I am like, you know, what's also funny is like when we're doing the scheduling, because I, I should have known you were on the East Coast in Boston. 
And we kept referring, or at least I kept referring to the times in Pacific. And it's just like, that's not even a time zone that either of us play by. Like, you know, it I'm, doesn't matter. I, I'm 12 my hours brain ahead of you. automatically translates it. I spent so long working with companies that were in Seattle, in like London, that it's just like, oh yeah, no, it's like, you got minus three, you got plus five. I know where the time zones are. That's really good because I think you're, I'm going to make an audacious claim here that you're probably one of the more organized streamers or magic <laughs> personalities because like I'll, I will be talking to certain people. I won't name their names, right? It's just like they have no concept what time zones are. They're like, oh, we're supposed to talk tomorrow. I, I forgot to put it on my calendar. And it's just like you just strike me as someone who's quite organized. Maybe it's because you're an engineer by trade or, or something, but there's something. I a lot of time learning organizational tactics because I have ADHD and the only way that I can like thrive and survive is to manage things. And I once showed my calendar to Voxy, uh, another streamer you just interviewed. And she said, oh, you're type A. And this is a audio format. So people are going to be able to see this, but just as like any given week, um, every single event right. is a brick of time. My calendar is beginning to end just these blocks. Yeah. Everything is organized. Yeah. But that's the way to do it. That's you. You've basically figured out what a lot of people figured out later in life, which is if you don't put it on your calendar, it doesn't happen. Like I try to use to-do lists and things like that in the past, but that's basically what I do now too. It's like, if I even have, if I want to make time for something, you just block off time in your calendar and you just go with that because the if it's not in my calendar, makes it real. Exactly. Even because I, I used to do the thing where it's like you, you list the three big rocks of the week or of the day. And then you sort of like, you spend so much time managing that list instead of actually doing the thing. And it's better just to do the thing and put it in the calendar. And it, it's just for me, some, for some, I don't know about you, but the calendar just builds sort of this accountability. It's like, I have to do it. Even if you push it to, tomorrow like it's still that block of time so it still <laughs> exists you know yes i push it to tomorrow there's definitely not something that i've been rescheduling for like three months straight that's like oh i'm, I'm gonna get to this i'll just move it to next week. i'll get to this i'll just move it to next week one of those like low priority things that i really should get done but it's gonna take half a day and i just don't feel like it <laughs> what what's an example of that is that like a doctor's appointment or something or no it's like things for my stream it'll be like oh yeah i really want to get new emotes made but i have to think of what the emotes are and i have to send emails or oh you know i should really update my resume for all of these things that i send out to advertisers my like contact sheets and stuff but i don't i don't need to do it i i should do it but i don't need to do it right Absolutely. And uh, congratulations. I believe the Celtics are on to the NBA finals. I don't know if you follow them at all. Let's go C's. Yeah, I was watching some of the game last night. My boyfriend actually has COVID. He's the big Celtics fan. And normally we watch the games together, but I'm not going in the same room as him while he has COVID. So while he is sick, I get to watch the score updates and like, on my phone, just be like, yeah, go Celtics. <laughs> so you, you guys are trying to make some space for each other so you can still hear his like 
shouts and screaming they're from not the other... very loud shouts he's a little raspy right now <laughs> <laughs> but yes he was very happy the Celtics won I'm very happy um I'm really hoping that you know we take the title that would be great yeah do you have a favorite Celtics player I do um mine is probably Al Horford he is the dad of the team. I'm not just saying that because he's an older player. He has like this kind of cohesiveness and like friendly attitude that I really appreciate it. And like on the opposite end of that, Marcus smart is the little brother of the team. I also like him a lot. Yeah. Al's great. Oh, by the way, I got to move my cat out of the room. He's making. Well, that's okay. Yeah. I want to see the cat if I can though. Yeah. Sorry about that. When I started, tell me about your cat. I've got two. So (laughs) I, I've been designated. So I do, I'm in business school part-time and I've already, my, my business school brand has already become like James, the cat man. Um, cause, <laughs> cause the cats have showed up a few times in the zoom calls and the professors oh, right, and students all the learning is over zoom. <gasps> yeah, there's, there's, well, there was more offline long story, but it's gone more online recently for us in China and my cats are amazing. So basically I have, I have a female and a male cat. Uh, we got the we got the girl first. Uh, her name is Cheese, and um, <laughs> great yeah, we name. Should, we didn't want to have human names. Uh, we just want to have cat names. And she's a white Munchkin cat, like a short leg cat. It's uh, she's very uh, spoiled. I guess is the only way I can say it. <laughs> the only way those cats can live. They don't got enough legs to do things for themselves. Exactly. She's just living like a queen. And then we got the younger, the, the boy is, his name is Burger. So, um, you know, basically uh, he's like just a, yeah, cheeseburger, the, the amazing duel. So they're just, he's just a, a, a golden colored cat. I don't know what species he is. Orange tabby is my guess. Cats don't usually have known breeds. It's. Yeah, there was a joke I saw recently. I thought it was super funny where dog owners know exactly what breed they are. And cat owners are just like, that's a cat, you know? It's I, a cat. Yeah. So but that's because, you know, you have these pedigrees with dogs. Some people really care, but it's led to all this inbreeding with dogs and these terrible health issues. And then like cats are like, I don't know, there were two cats and they made more cats. And my cat's mm-hmm. one of those cats. I don't know. It's cat shaped. It's, this it, one's orange yeah. <laughs> cat shape. And you know, the, the, the thing is when we first got the cats, we knew nothing about cats. And if I could do it over again, I definitely wouldn't get like, cause we bought them. Right. We, we definitely mm-hmm. would knowing what we know now, my wife and I, we would definitely just get like stray cats or try to adopt because there are just too many darn cats in the world. And, and then it was just like, we got cheese because she was, cute but then you learn about like sort of the the practices they have in breeding the cats to make them short-legged and it's like it's not great so it's just like live and learn i guess i i don't know what i'm trying to say but you know what you know now and i'm sure you love your kitties and you're giving them a good life no matter where they came from yes especially cheese who sounds like she's just spoiled beyond all belief she is. Yeah. She's spoiled beyond belief, but tell me about your cat scraps. Like, um, it's a, a boy or a girl. She is a girl cat. Um, I don't think she knows or cares about that, but she's very <laughs> fluffy. She actually was shaved recently. Mm-hmm. Um, when it gets hot out and I mentioned before it is toasty today. Uh, I get to take 
this electric razor to her and shear off as much of her fur as I can. And she looks awful because I'm not good at it, but Mm -hmm. we had taken her to a groomer's once and they like, she struggled. She was very stressed out. They ended up cutting some of her skin. And I was like, Oh, I'm never going to a professional again. I'm just going to be this lunatic cat, crazy lady who takes this razor, this electric razor and shears their cat. So uh, she doesn't mind it. She just looks very stupid. So is it just the fact that she doesn't like being around the strangers, like in the pet store? Is that why she was so? Str- I, well, think I mean, they other have than to essentially be restrained for it, because it's very hard to get a cat to stay still while you move a razor along them, especially yeah. long enough to do the whole body. Yeah, I mean, we've had to bathe our cats recently on our own, oh, and no. even that has been. Uh, so that's that's why I'm curious if like different cats have different manner. They must, right? Because oh, yeah. they have Some different cats personalities. Are super chill. There's I've I've met cats before that like a perfect stranger could come up and just kind of like dangle them by their arms and like I don't know do whatever they want. They could like pat the belly the belly and the cat would be like oh this is fun. I don't know what's going on but I like it. Yeah. So have you always been a a cat person? Is this a first cat or? I grew up with cats, but this is my first personal cat. Okay. Um, my family has cats. My mom and dad have cats. My brother has cats. My other brother lives with the parents. So he has cats sort of. Um, and everybody in the family knows what they like and they like cats. Okay. So it's just been a constant thing for the household, basically. Yeah. We, we like cats. They're cute. We might all have, what's it? Toxoplasmosis. The, uh, the parasite in your brain that makes you like cats more. Yeah. We might all have that. I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) You clean (laughs) enough litter boxes. So tell me a bit about your, your family. Did, are are you, are you guys from the Boston mass area or? We are. Um, I grew up in the area of Boston. It's called West Roxbury. Um, for people who are in Boston, they know what that is for people who are not it's Boston. Um, it's not downtown in the city. It's just a suburban area. And that's where my family's from. And that's where I grew up. And I haven't really moved that far away. I lived in Seattle for a summer, but then I came back to Boston. So clearly not leaving. That was just for an internship too. Was that when you worked for Amazon? No, I was actually working for a water turbine company uh, doing designs on portable water turbines. Okay. How was that internship? It was all right. Um, there was good work to be done. I probably breathed in more fiberglass than I should have, which is never a good thing, but thankfully it was only for a summer and I got to explore the Seattle area, which was great. Can I assume that you also went to school? Like, did you go to college, university in, in yeah, your area? Yeah, I have a BSME, Bachelor's in Science of Mechanical Engineering. And I probably won't go back for a master's, at least not anytime soon, because getting back into school is a lot of time and a lot of money, at least in America it is. And uh, at, at this time, I would rather keep working. Yeah, for sure in your area now in Boston, like you, you've got everything you need, right? You've got just, uh, just looking at the walks you've done on the stream. Like it's really, there's really nice surroundings. You've got your family, which I assume is still a big part of your life. Like it's, uh, actually is it, I can't make assumptions. So 
Yeah, uh, I would say I'm pretty close with my family. My mom and brother are both my dad's caretakers. He's disabled. He actually has Parkinson's disease and they take care of him pretty much full time. And I try to visit when I can. The pandemic has, of course, made that a lot more difficult. My brother and sister-in-law also live in the area and they visit a lot more. They're a lot closer. And I'll be moving closer to them, like all of them in the next month. So I'll be able to see them more often. And that is, of course, assuming that I don't also get COVID, which I'm afraid of because the other person in my house will have it. And uh, if I do, it's going to be another couple of weeks until I get to see my family. Yeah. How, how's, how's he doing, by the way, your, your, uh, your partner? Well, I can't see him right now through like the crack in the door. <laughs> but I, okay. he hasn't had a lot of energy, but mm-hmm. he had enough energy today to play Sekiro and he beat the monkey boss, which for people who have played the game know that it is a, it's a tricky boss because you don't have to survive fighting a monkey once you have to cut off its head and then you have to fight it again. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that's a hard game. I've not played it, but it's, it's one of those super skill testing ones, right? Yeah, it's one of those like souls like games. It's from soft. They do weird things. Yeah. What about you? Do you play a lot of those games or are you into all kinds of Um, non-magic things or I, my favorite kind of game is actually single player adventure games. Those are my favorite. My, my number one games of all time are probably portal two. I love that game. It's more of like a puzzle adventure game, but it's very fun. It's got a great narrative. I loved breath of the wild, this big open world Zelda game and the Zelda franchise is my favorite franchise by far. And then Stanley Parable, which is, I can't really call it a puzzle game. It's more like a narrative game. There's a guy talking to you while you just sort of walk through areas. And I don't know, it's, it's barely a video game. It's got a lot of meta humor to it, but it's one of my favorites. I think that's really awesome. It's like the games have really evolved into just being storytelling vehicles right that's what that sounds like the good ones have and then there's a lot of games that are just they're about the gameplay they're about the social aspect they're about getting yelled at by strangers at four in the morning when you play league of legends because you've lost all control of your life and you're playing league of legends at four in the morning yes so this is going to be dating myself a little bit but um i just turned 40 this year I played a lot of Zelda growing up. I played probably Zelda 1, 2. I played the SNES ones. And I think I played all the way up to uh, the GameCube Zelda. It was like Wind Waker, I think it was. Yeah, that's a great game. Okay, okay, okay. So you played all of those, right? You said. Most of them. I actually have not beaten Zelda 2. That was like the side-scrolling one with an overworld. And I... Tried playing it as a kid and as a teenager and was just like, oh, God, I, I can't do this. I'm so frustrated by this game. Right. That one felt like the most non-Zelda Zelda game. Like, I don't know what it was about it. Like, just I, I don't know. Yeah, that was that was a hard one. That was a hard one. I think that's the only one of pretty much the main Zelda franchise that I haven't really played through. Yeah. I also know that you have some magic that runs in the family, right? You have your your cousin, Ed, is actually a fairly well-known 
magic player and i i knew he's this really only because he gifted magic. you that commander deck so oh yeah he built a ragavan deck as a thanks for me kind of like helping him get his stream started so if you know demonic tutors on twitch that's ed uh, mm -hmm. that is my cousin and he is really good at magic he used to do a lot of like star city games grinding and I believe him and his brother tried to teach me and my brothers how to play magic at some point when we were kids. We did okay. not care. We thought it was for nerds. I still think it's for nerds, but like, I'm a big nerd. I'm not like eight and I can grasp the game now because I'm not eight. And mind you, there are eight year olds that can play this game. I was not one of them. Okay. Yeah. Ed seems really good at magic. I actually played magic with him one time. It was a legacy challenge, maybe a few months ago that actually ended up being a challenge. I think he won the whole event in, or maybe a few weeks ago, like he was running extremely yeah, hot. He's been doing really well recently. Yeah. Yeah. He totally crushed me with, uh, I think it was storm. It was a legacy, legacy. It was a legacy challenge. I think, I think yeah. he does like Delver storm and yeah. I, I and he plays Yogmoth in modern, I think. I was gonna say his his like number one card across so many decks is Yogmoth. Yeah. That is a man who likes his Yogs. Yes. It's okay. I like Yogin too. And, and of course, I wasn't watching his stream while he was playing or while I was playing him, but I watched his streams when he was streaming modern. And I just really like his style. Like he's very methodical. It's just like he analyzes every single thing, which is totally fine because you know, with Moto, you have the the moto chess clock so it's like you you use all the time, time. you're given mm -hmm. yes yes so i mean do you play any of those formats too or are you i guess you're 100 arena right sort of um so i watch a lot of people play pioneer because i love pioneer and now we just got what's called explorer in arena which is fake pioneer i've been loving that i've pretty much been playing that non-stop for the past month and I'm sorry to everybody who watches me for historic brawl and for draft, but like I have pioneer decks to play. I love pioneer. <laughs> so um, I mostly watch pioneer. I mostly play these formats that are available in arena just for convenience. And the other format I play a lot of is commander. And of course there's no true commander that you can really play online. Spell table doesn't quite cut it. And my main play group that I played magic with uh, most of them have moved away. Uh, unfortunately, I no longer have access to that playgroup because a lot of people moved to areas that are cheaper to get housing and then Boston across the pandemic. And if you can work remotely, uh, you don't need to pay $2,500 for a one bedroom. So smart mm. move for them. But yeah. it means I don't get to play magic with them as much. Yeah. Sorry, I got to close my door now that my cat is outside. So oh, I can. Yeah. All right, that's all good. Cats, 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 Easter egg for when James is editing. Everybody. I'm so sorry about that. That doesn't usually happen. You don't it's have just, to this, this is why I, this is why sometimes I'm glad this show is not live because it's just this kind of, this, this sort of interruptions. But, uh, yeah, so Boston real estate, I guess it's just really, really expensive, very desirable place to live, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's good here. A lot of industry, rents too high, the story of my life. But, you know, I love being close to my family. I love the city. It's a gorgeous place. And if you like the winter, hey, we got good winters. I want to ask you about a little bit more about your background. So first of all, this is a very out of the blue question, but 
when you say you're an everything enthusiast, like what does it actually mean to you? I like everything. There's probably like a convincing argument that somebody could make for a part of something that I will enjoy. It's like, you could show me a type of rock and I would be like, whoa, I got to learn more about this rock. This rock rules. Um, I actually have most of a geology minor from when I was in university because, hey, I like rocks. I also had most of a drama minor, but not the acting side. I did no acting classes. No, I was doing lighting and CAD. And then I also am just an engineering major. And the other engineers are like, what are you doing taking that stuff? Where's your math? And I'm like, I already did the math. I want to look at rocks. You've basically leaned into being a, a generalist or just, just uh, being interested in a lot of general things or everything. Yeah, I think that pretty much everything is cool. Um, I think some things are definitely cooler than others, but I am a generally enthusiastic person. And um, I, I also believe in lifelong learning, um, especially about stuff. I Sometimes that'll be like playing games, learn how to play a game. Sometimes it'll be like learning how things are made. It'll be learning a craft or a trade. I think all those things are really important. Where do you think you get that from? Just that curiosity. That's the ADHD. That's a hundred percent. The, I can't focus on one thing, but I can focus on a hundred things. Okay. So just as long as you could remember, you've just been like, just into everything basically. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a great memory. So for me, it's like, as far as I can remember, three years ago, <laughs> I have yeah. been like this. Okay. Actually, I want to ask you more about the, because you said you, you did drama, you studied drama, but it wasn't in front of the curtain. But like, do you have some sort of performance background? Because I feel like when I watch you stream, like there's a lot of, there's some of that coming out. Uh, I'm curious if you actually were trained as a performer or somehow. Sort of. Uh, I had vocal training all through uh, middle and high school because my mom is a classically trained opera singer and I was the only person in the family who could sing. So I got kind of pushed into competitive choral things. So I did singing and I don't sing now and I've still used vocal exercises because when you're talking for eight hours on stream every day, it really helps. But I, that's the closest thing I have to performance background. I also taught improv classes to children, but that is very different. That's like, oh, what's up kids? We're gonna play pretend for an hour. I wanna play pretend for an hour. I should go play some Dungeons and Dragons. That's really interesting. Your, your, your mother was, uh, was, was in that sort of thing her whole, I, I guess for most of her career, is that right? Like her, a lot of what she did. She was trained in it. She performed in it. Um, she didn't do much touring because I believe she had uh, my oldest brother, uh, not that long out of school and uh, then could only really perform locally. And then after a second kid was born, uh, I think she went mostly into full-time parenting. Okay. Have you ever sang in public or on your stream not seriously not not on my stream but i have sung i guess technically in public because i had to do these choral things okay 
that's really cool. Like I, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to ask you to sing or anything, but that's oh, I'm I just couldn't now. Anyway, my allergies have been terrible. The closest thing I do to singing now is just kind of like going sing song on my stream to be silly or singing along to like smash mouth in the car, which that's really, that's really putting vocal training to work. It's like, yes, my favorite song satellite from Astro lounge. It's, it's my favorite song on the album. That's great. <laughs> So what made you want to sort of move away from what your mom wanted you to, to go into that sort of career or that sort of training? Okay. Yes. So um, as, as I explained before, it's expensive to live in the Boston area. It was expensive when I was a kid and I knew that I should probably be going into a discipline where I can get a job in that discipline that pays enough money to rent an apartment. And unfortunately, uh, singing won't cut it unless you're the best of the best here. And even then, uh, I know only a few professional performers, like as far as streamers go, I'm the only one I know in the Boston area. I do not know anybody else oh, really? who's a full-time content creator. I know one illustrator. She is a furry artist. And it's like, dang, you must be drawing a lot of furry porn in order to afford right. And she's like, yeah, pretty much nonstop. Pretty much from eight in the morning to eight at night. I'm just, just, just scribbling, just, just drawing. Just drawing dog dicks. I'm pretty sure that's all she does. <laughs> so I, I take it that a lot of content creators, they try to just like, I don't know, move to a, a developing country or something where they have a reliable internet connection and just, they just try to make it work or... Yeah, a lot of people do that. Um, I like to stay near my family. Um, I did look into moving. I was actually going to move to not a developing country, but just a cheaper part of the U.S. And the people who are in this part are going to be like, what do you mean cheap? I was going to move to Seattle um, uh-huh. because the cost of living there relative to Boston right. is lower. <laughs> and the people in Seattle are just like, but 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 our, but our rents, they've they've quadrupled in the last couple of years. And I'm like, yeah, that's from people like me moving out there. Right. Unfortunately, the pandemic hit. I had to switch rents. Um, I had to like move to a new apartment that drained my savings. Yeah. Um, and then we got locked into leases and there went all those plans. It was mm-hmm. pretty bad. Yeah. And you said you're moving soon. So is that just uh, a moving into a nicer place? Is it to be closer to your family or it's like a combination of things? It's a combination. It's a combination of things. It's not really a nicer place. I think it's a little smaller, but I think we'll have more control over the, uh, you know, the building and like getting to put things up on the wall, which is nice. Um, I, I want to decorate. Sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Have you already thought about what you are going to decorate it? Like, have you, do you have it all sketched out or is that like later in your, in your calendar to do list? No, my boyfriend's going to do that. He's better at it. Okay. Yeah, he he's more artistically minded, I think, than I am. The other thing I wanted to ask you, I was just really curious, like, how'd you come up with the Amazonian handle or nickname? Oh well, I worked at Amazon for a long time, but that's not the origin of it. It was actually um, I thought you really loved the Amazon River or something. It's it's more about the uh, the Amazon warriors of lore, kind of like these women warriors, and uh, then not just going with an Amazon. So an Amazon would be an Amazon warrior, mm-hmm. but an Amazonian is specifically a person who works at the company Amazon. It's like the internal nickname for these people. 
Um, amazingly, in the time since I adopted the nickname Amazonian, the word has changed meaning because in Brazil specifically, and in Brazilian Portuguese, it has started to mean the translation of people from the Amazon rainforest. Amazonas turned into Amazonians. It used to just be Amazonas. And like, you can look at Google search trends for this. And it's like, ah, dang, there goes my search engine optimization. But like, good <laughs> for them. It's a fun name. Take it back from Amazon. They don't deserve it. So it just happened like a couple of years ago. Is that what happened? Uh, I want to say this was around 2016-ish is when I started adopting it. Before that, I have a bunch of different online handles and I've streamed on a lot of different websites. I've been streaming for over 15 years and uh, I had a Justin TV account that did not properly migrate to Twitch. So my nickname on that got lost because the migration didn't work. That's unfortunate. And you, so you chose Amazonian because like you must have quite a, a fond um, experience at Amazon, the company. Is that, is that what it was or? No, it's just, that's a, a fun nickname and I get to be a woman warrior. I'm, I'm like much more into heck yeah, buff women. I'm not even that buff. You, the people listening can't see this. I'm flexing, but <laughs> <laughs> But that, that is something I'm very into. I'm like, hello, women's weightlifting competitions. I'll never be able to compete in, but I get to watch. How are you doing? <laughs> How are you doing, giant ladies? Excellent. Excellent. So you've been a streaming veteran. I do remember you did an interview with, I think it was Zuby, where you, you mentioned Justin TV and uh, just, I, I guess you were, you're only, you've only been streaming full time for how long? It's, it's been a few years, right? Four years, three, three years. Okay. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> it's, it's longer than I remember, which means that it's probably around three or four years. Okay. And three or four years in streamer years is probably like 40 years for other people. I'm an ancient lady. I'm in my thirties, <laughs> which I can only get away with because I play magic. You look at like the people streaming on Twitch and I'll like hop into their chat and I'll be like, oh yeah. And I'll start talking about uh, I don't know, taxes. And they'll be like, well, my mom still does mine. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Your children. Yeah. I mean, that that's the other thing too, about magic too, is that because of the way magic is designed, it just seems like you can keep playing it forever. Right. Yes. It's, it also appeals to an older audience. Um, this kind of very analog game where you sit down and you play with cards. Um, I think that it has this older appeal and like I've, I've seen through uh, YouTube and Google do um, analytics tracking for audiences. And it is predominantly men in their 30s who are watching at least my magic content. I've talked to other magic creators, though. It's the same thing for them. I, I put out one video. I'm just checking right now on my YouTube that was Duncan Rampa related um, because I've been watching the Let's Players Game Grumps play the Duncan Rampa games. Um, they've been a guilty pleasure of mine for a long ass time. And it completely butchered my stats on my YouTube channel because suddenly there was one video that had a 95% female watch rate. And I was like, what's, what's going, what's happening here? Yep. Where the, did this come the from? The algorithm, the YouTube algorithm. The started. algorithm. What has happened to my algorithm? Yeah. 
I mean, you got to balance that. You got to balance that with the, um, was it, what was the one you did with Ali? Uh, Smash or pass, right? You had oh, that yeah, on that YouTube. one uh, was a blast. I'm so glad that we got to do a, a Smash or pass video. I'm hoping we get to do another one in the future. Was that your idea or his? I think it was mine. I think I like, I posted an ask on Twitter asking, hey, any mutuals want to make this with me? And Ali Aljazi was just like, how do you do fellow thirsty person? And I'm like, yes, let's go. That's what I really love about some of the the content I've seen on your YouTube and also in Twitch VODs is just that you have very creative outlets to to have magic. Like it's still met the magic content space, but you're doing these sorts of one-offs or collabs with other streamers or content creators. Like that's pretty cool because I don't see that with all the streamers. Like a lot of streamers are just like, I'm just going to play arena all the time. So you find a way to make it interesting for yourself, right? I mean, I would probably do even more kind of variety, but still magic stuff if I thought I could get away with it. It, it doesn't make money. It's just more fun. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that you can, you can do a lot of silly stuff. You don't have to play magic to win. You can just play magic to have a good time. Yeah. Are there still some ideas that you, you have in your head that you haven't, you haven't done yet? I have so many things that I would love to produce. And there were even a bunch of like show ideas that I had pitched to Wizards of the Coast when they had that green light fund thing, Oh yeah, which fizzled into nothingness. And technically all those ideas are in like a legal limbo, but I would still just make them anyway if I had the time and money for them. Like if I had the budget, I would put together um, this like a history show about magic that's intended to be kind of nonsensical because a lot of magic's history is nonsensical talking about the lore and all the Vorthos things. I think that would be a really awesome lane to to go into. Like that would be, um, there's not enough of that. And I think there is an audience for that, right? There's definitely an audience for it. It's one of those things where, where, if it takes 40 hours to make a 30 minute video, it better take off or as a content creator, you just wasted an entire week. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that like, it's not, I mean, I, 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 you guys are doing way harder stuff than, than I am like streaming or even just YouTube in general with the video and the, the, the visual stuff. But like, I feel that as well. It's like, as a content creator, you sometimes just have to, crank things out and you have to think about the ROI, right? Because like some of those things, like what was that series that wizards sponsored a while back? I think it was called walking the planes, right? It was those, uh, the, do you, do you know oh, the document the one with loading ready run doing the, the lore video? No, it was with Nathan, one? Nathan Holt. I think was his name. Um, I'm going to, I probably have this wrong, but basically he went to the, the PTs and GPs and he did a documentary oh, series. Yeah, it, it was from way back. It's called Walking the Plains. Oh, yeah. It's from like 2012 through 2016, it looks like. Yeah. And it's just an awesome time capsule if you want to just get a firsthand document into organized magic high-level play at that time. Because he would like go around and just interview players and and just like cover the the actual tournaments and the and all that stuff. And it's so well produced, but it's just like it's very hard to do that unless you have a super high budget and also you're willing to travel and you're willing to, to cut that together. Like it just seems like an insane amount of work. Um, 
yeah, anyway, shout out to Walking the Plains. People should definitely check it out if they if they haven't. It's just like a really nice time capsule of what competitive magic used to be, you know? Yeah, that's so cool. Um, I'm going to see if I can watch one of these videos later when I'm editing. Nice. Yeah, but you're a fan of Loading Ready Run? Like, I haven't gone too much into their stuff, but... Uh... They're funny people. Okay, do you have any... Because yeah. um, it seems like they're an empire. Do you have any recommendations, like, for someone who is just getting into their stuff? It depends on what kind of games you enjoy. Of course, you enjoy magic, and anybody listening to this probably enjoys magic. Um, I would recommend their magic content. They always have the free releases when a new set's coming out. They have the uh, their Friday magic series on Twitch. There's a lot less edited content coming from them because, again, it's, it's a lot better to just do lots of live content. Um, YouTube monetization means that, like, sketch and short-form videos really just that the algorithm doesn't really do anything with them. The ad revenue does nothing for them. Um, but yeah, uh, I would also recommend uh, pretty much just anything from their channel. There's a ton of different variety. If you like sim games, a lot of the people on their team play sim games. Um, there's da- dating sim games. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's the good stuff right there. Dating sims. Yeah, I think Voxy, your fellow streamer friend, uh, was has been really into dating games for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, that. I've gotten to play some of them with her. Okay, so it's called Now Kiss is a Loading Ready Run dating ga- dating games show. Uh, I'm just double checking when it airs. It looks like it's Friday in the kind of early afternoon. So it's around noon Eastern. Okay. That's one of my faves. I, I can only watch the VODs for it though. But yes, um, Voxy playing dating things is amazing. And when Voxy lets me play a game with her, I'm just so happy. She's like my favorite person to play games with. And I wish that I could spend more time playing games with her. Why, why is that? Why do you enjoy playing games with her? Because uh, she's the best and she's very funny and she puts up with my bullshit. And <laughs> I always feel like I'm wasting her time and like she's going to just be like, Amy, I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm like, oh, no. Give me an example. Like, did you do you go like super deep into the game mechanics or something and she's not she doesn't want to go there or is it something else? No, I think we're just both like different sides of the silly person spectrum. Uh, <laughs> I'm I am the uh, the trickster who's caught trying to cause trouble, and she is reacting to uh, the environment of the game while I'm trying to mess it up further. <laughs> so you guys are sharing a seat and playing the 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 dating game together. Yes, we have become the one being a moxie, which is. Not short for a moxicillin. Okay, so how how long have you known Boxy for? Just just you did you know her through streaming or online or? Yeah, I found her stream because I was just looking for people to host, and I try to host, uh, especially women. After the end of my stream, she would be live, and I'd be like, "Oh, dip! This person seems fun," and I'd just like host her channel, and that's how I found her. I would just like scroll through the page and be like, "Oh, what's this? Loud lady, let's go." <laughs> very cool uh so are there other streamers whom you you admire what they do just just in terms of you know either magic or otherwise i mentioned before game grumps have kind of been my background noise while i do work but i i don't have a lot of time to consume visual media so typically what i do is i listen to podcasts and I don't listen to any magic podcasts. I know this is very disappointing. Yours included. I'm, I usually focus on like 
role-playing game podcast. I just finished the first season of Dungeons and Daddies, not a BDSM podcast. Uh, and I will give it the stamp of recommendation for anybody over the age of 18. It is not for children. It is fantastic, though. It's very fun. Uh, I've always listened to a lot of McElroy content, My Brother, My Brother and Me. Um, they also have a role-playing show. Currently, it's The Adventure Zone C, but the, the Adventure Zone Balance was their first one. That one's really great. Um, I'm just like looking through my podcast app right now to see what I've been listening to. Uh, the Flop House, they talk about bad movies, so I don't have to see the bad movies, but I can still know about them. They recently talked all the way through Morbius, so now I know what happens in Morbius. You're really into podcasts of the non-magic variety. Is it audios because like you're you're walking around or you're, you're doing things and you want to have something to listen to or is it like because you're multitasking you're like maybe surfing the internet or streaming as well as doing the podcast when I'm listening to a podcast I'm not at the computer I'm, I'm listening to podcasts while I'm out for walks um, really the only exercise my body can handle is walking so I would go for a lot of walks or I'll be cooking or I'll be cleaning and I'll be listening to these podcasts and in order to Burn the calories equivalent to the amount of food that I want to eat. Um, I have to go for very long walks because I'm not that big. Uh, despite the name Amazonian, I am not a giant lady. And uh, I'm burning like, you know, 50 calories a mile, yeah. which means that I'm walking like eight miles so I can eat that extra slice of cake. And I'm like, oh, this is totally worth it. And during that time, that's like three hours. You know, I'm going to listen to three hours of people playing D&D or talking about stuff. The reason it's not usually magic stuff is just I play magic all day. I, mm -hmm. I have my fill of magic. Mm -hmm. No, I totally, I totally understand. I don't listen to any magic podcasts either. Um, I just listen to <laughs> interview podcasts, This American Life. Gosh, what else? I mean, do I you got to listen to This American Life. It's like the best. It's a staple, podcast. even if Come you're on. not in America, right? It's just, <laughs> it's just a storytelling thing. Um, I listen to a lot of sports podcasts, which is, I know it's like a lot of empty calories, but I just love listening to it's just NBA podcasts. I'm just like a diehard basketball So is that guy. how you knew all the stuff about Celtics and following the... Uh... I am just like a complete basketball NBA junkie. Like I know basically, I, I've watched every single NBA playoff game. Uh, I have the, the, the Chinese equivalent of League Pass. Um, I have a subscription to The Athletic. I, I read all the Boston coverage, even though I'm not even a Boston Celtics fan. Um, I like to make fun of what I call casual sports fans who are just bandwagoners. And um, <laughs> I, I lean into, I've leaned into being a fan of a really bad NBA team for a very long time. So it's like, that's kind of like my badge of honor. It's like, you can't really be a fan, in my opinion, unless you follow a team through all the bad times like you just like you can't you're not allowed to be just a celtics fan when they're in the nba finals uh or a warriors fan when That'll after they have steph the curry all season yes but i know that i'm a i'm very much an extremist so i i am hesitant to even voice these views in a public forum because i just it's not a popular view it's not a popular view but i think sports is something that really teaches people about adversity and loyalty and the fact is we're watching these adults put a ball through a hoop and i know it's ridiculous but 
I like the storylines. Really good at putting the ball through the hoop. That's why we watch them play. Exactly. Yeah, I, yes. So I'm. I was born and raised in Boston. So for me, like that sports is all sports around, thing, right? It's yeah. more like, oh no, like by by virtue of being born in a in Boston, like I am a sports fan by default. Doesn't mean I watch all their games. Doesn't even mean I've seen a single one of their games. But when one of our teams is winning, of course it's my team. Like, I don't care if the Pats are the villains of football or mm-hmm. were the villains of football. They were the Boston team. Have to but, support it's, them. but it's your Red team, Sox. right? You got you to support, you gotta the support them. Celtics yeah. is the first team I've really been able to, like, actually follow. We watch most of the games. Um, that's something that Nick took initiative on. Uh, my boyfriend, like, decided I want to get into a sport. Which sport is the most interesting? Basketball. It has the most movement. These players are the most skilled. We're going to watch that. Kind of tied with hockey, but... Hockey, there's a lot less scoring, and you also can't see the players' faces, which I think makes a big difference. I like how handsome everybody is in basketball, except for the couple not-so-handsome guys. It's okay. They get funny nicknames. Hey, there's a lot of handsome hockey players, too. Like, yeah, I, but I, you can't see them. Yeah, it's right. behind I'm the I'm going to go off yeah. on a tangent. If you want to hear like the weird deep-cut stuff from my life. So one of the things I do as a hobby, and I've been doing this since I was a teenager, is analytics on fan fiction and i know basic data analytics this is something that i have grown as i have developed my skills as an engineer and that means that what i do is i will look at what trends there are in fan fiction as they emerge and kind of follow them through different fandoms now i want to talk about real person fan fiction which is where people write fan fiction about actual living human beings that are in the meat space this stuff is weird as hell I don't really consume it. I don't get it. But the most popular forms of real person fan fiction, kind of like moving up from the bottom, are you've got uh, you've got uh, like boy bands. Boy bands are really big, especially these like making a personality out of them with like BTS and the other K-pop groups. Mm-hmm. And you've got uh, you know like content creators and celebrities, and then you have hockey players, and this is any other sport. No other sport has this. There are thousands, tens of thousands of fanfics about hockey players. And almost all of them are like, oh yeah. So like these two guys on the penguins, hundred percent making out. Here's how they were making out. Also like one of them has wings and one of them is a demon. And I'm like, what's going on here? (laughs) What are the white women writing? Because that is where it is coming from. Okay. So no, if I you ever want to look into the weird part of fan fiction, go look at hockey because there's weird stuff going on there. Do, are, do you know if the people writing the fan fiction are predominantly women or identify as female? Uh, it's pretty much all women. Uh, most, most like fan media that is created. So fan art, fan fiction, uh, less so fan videos, but those two, the, uh, the fan art and, uh, and fan fiction are pretty much all women. Um, it's I don't have an exact breakdown because this isn't something that I have data for, but I've heard that it's in like the 80 to 90-ish percent uh, for women. And um, that does not surprise me at all. Sometimes you can even tell like, oh, wow, this is some masculine writing going on in here when you're like reading through a fanfic and they're like, yeah, this is, this is too self-indulgent. It's the difference between like the ready player one fan fiction 
So Ready Player One is essentially a fanfic and it is so like distinctly written by a guy. And then you look at like the weird flowery self-insert stuff that a woman's writing that's like, and then me and Sephiroth went on an adventure. And I'm like, tell me more about you and Sephiroth, girl. Mm -hmm. So this must mean that a lot of women are watching hockey. They're like fantasizing about the guys who are playing hockey and then because there's <laughs> yes. obviously it's not just the people writing, but like if you're writing it, there's got to be an audience for it. So yeah. it, these are yeah. people who they watch hockey, they love hockey, and this is how they choose to express themselves. And it's just <laughs> I'm, I'm going to rail on them. I think it's super weird. There's got to be NBA fan fiction. I don't know if I'm willing. Oh, to there like is, start... but there's there's almost none relative to hockey. So I'm going to check uh, the biggest current like sorted repository of fan fiction archive of our own. Men's basketball real person fan fiction has about 550 works. Now, if I look up hockey uh, RIPF, that is in the 13,000. What's the term? It's called RPF. I'm going to look at it. So this would be men's hockey RPF is what it was sorted under. Okay. And you look at the difference of that. One of the fun things to look at is like, what is the breakdown of what like the major tags people are putting on this on this website people are able to tag their works which makes it a lot easier for me to do analytics on which is fun and it's great because it'll be like established relationship as the number two in the hockey rpf all right who has an established relationship fan fiction writer brendan gallagher and eric stall i don't know who they are but apparently they have a married life according to this okay i'm literally looking like the the most recently uh, published ones are there, um, there's got to, I mean, I mean, how, how did you, how did you start? Cause you mentioned analytics, like what, how did you start getting into this and, and just like doing just, just reading into it basically? I'm pretty sure that I was on text-based forums as a young teen and was trying to prove points about things. So I started, I didn't even know like what data analytics was. I was just like scraping numbers and like, like manually plotting things in Excel and being like, no book. The amount of Kingdom Hearts fan fiction that was released this week is a lot lower than the last week. Ah, um, okay, okay. It's like 14-year-old Amy who's just like on fanfiction.net and like looking at people's pads and live journals. So you've always been very online and very argumentative as a child. Is that what it was? Uh, more like I, I was just like trying to be like, no, you, you guys, this is real. And one of the cool things is uh, in the first six months of the pandemic, the rate of publication of fan fiction increased by about 80%. Mm. Fun fact. So I'm talking about like I'm, the, when the pandemic starts, of course, it differs person to person. I'm talking about like March 2020. That's when shutdown started happening in the U.S. That's when I think people started taking things more seriously. And that's when the rate of fan fiction nearly doubled. Okay. So people were just stuck at home they got to channel their their creative energy they somehow got nothing to do so they're all like watching tv and then writing about the tv they watched reading books then writing about the books they watched i've, I've got to ask you about I know this. words <laughs> i've got to ask you because you, you might actually be someone who knows this like you know how people say like when the pandemic happened in march 2020 like all these things started to, to happen more, like, for example, writing fan fiction or streaming, what's the fastest growing thing that happened that year? Do you have any idea what that is? Because I have no sure. idea. Um, my guess is there's probably a lot of, um, like, 
kind of Nielsen style media tracking where they found like, oh, people are watching a lot more TV, TV of these types. I can say anecdotally, independently, almost every household I'm in touch with in the area started watching The Sopranos. And none of us talked about it or were like watching episodes together, but everybody started watching The Sopranos. So now I've seen all of The Sopranos and now my friend Dan, I think has seen all of The Sopranos. And now like my, my friend Katie has seen all of The Sopranos and none of us talked about this. It just kind of happens. Hmm. That's my, my, this is going to be my, like my mind freak theory is when pandemics happen, everybody just starts watching The Sopranos. <laughs> no, I don't, I have no idea. It's just <laughs> probably like, it's a good show. And uh, somebody started sharing their passwords for HBO Max. Well, no, I actually I actually read an article about this like there. And I don't know. Sometimes these articles are very post revisionist because, you know, you know, sometimes with these um, pop culture articles, they always try to analyze things a little bit too much. And it was talking about how people started watching The Sopranos in the past couple of years because it was some sort of symbol of nihilism, like where the world was going, like it was so bleak that people wanted Tony Soprano and these and Meadow and these like anti-heroes to be more in their lives but maybe your explanation is more on track maybe someone just shared <laughs> the login and that's how it happened like yeah and then they saw it on like recently watched and they're like maybe i should watch this too <laughs> no, i have no idea why i just looked it up yeah there's a new york times article from late 2021 called why is every young person in america yes. watching the sopranos wow okay so yeah it's not just anecdotal i guess it was a thing Wait, going back to sports, because I went on a complete stupid fan fiction tangent. What team are you a fan of? Since you seem to follow, like, especially basketball as a whole. But, like, what is what is your team? So my team is the Chicago Bulls. And oh, nice. I, I need to say this just to, even though nobody cares, like, I did not become a Chicago Bulls fan during the Michael Jordan era. Okay. That would have been too easy. Like that's like, you don't become a fan of a team where you could become a fan of a team when they're like the best team in the league or whatever. But I, I was a Chicago Bulls fan starting from the two thousands. That was what I called the, the dark ages where I was living in Canada. Well, living in Canada is not the dark ages, but for the Bulls, it was the dark ages. And I was getting like bootleg WGN games. And that's how I became a Bulls fan just from watching them. But they were really bad back then. And so I've totally leaned into this self-narrative of how like I'm a sports fan because I followed the Bulls when they were really bad and therefore I can enjoy their success now you later. Get to see them being, I'm not going to say they're great this year, but better this year than they've been in the past. Oh, they're definitely a lot better. Um, they might have gone a little bit all in, put all their chips on the table. That might actually be bad for the future of... Because, you know, one thing I'm really... Um, I'm a big fan of like, I don't know, maybe this is something you relate to is like, I really enjoy analyzing how the sausage is made in the sausage factory. So it's like for basketball, I'm really into like the organizational, uh, how the, how the franchises are run, like who's making oh, decisions. I'm into like the actual sausage factory. Show me <laughs> as many episodes as how it's made as you want. And I will sit there enthralled. I'm like, okay. I Literally, just go like yeah. catatonic while I'm watching that show. Like, and then the gear goes around and it makes the shape. Wow, that's amazing. I can't wait to watch the next episode. <laughs> yeah, but no, I understand what you're talking, you're talking about, like the stuff in the background. Yeah. Like, the, the decisions the, that like happen during trades and uh, yeah, the, the making the making of it's like, you know, if I watch uh, a movie, I'll be thinking about like 
you know, the direction or how they created the set or how they cast the people. I'm more. Yeah, of course, so, the, the technical aspects are always fa like fantastic and yeah. everything. I mentioned before, I'm interested in everything. Yes. Less I, so sports for that, but like I could see why you would be in it. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, we say, of course, but then, you know, I'll, I'll talk to somebody and they'll be like, I, I don't care at all. I don't give a shit like who, who directed me. Like, I'll, I'll watch movies because of the director, like not because of the the actors or the showrunners. I'll watch because of the showrunners. So it's like, um, yeah, I mean, it's just I, I enjoy all that kind of stuff. So. But um, hopefully the Bulls have a good run next year. I don't know what their plans are like. And uh, it's so it's so bad. So I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you an analogy, right? Because um, I think the best player on the Boston Celtics is probably Jason Tatum. Tatum? Um, Tatum, yes, exactly. And Sorry. <laughs> it's the Boston accent. Uh, um, the Bulls basically have like someone like Tatum, but nobody else. So it's like they're just like two million light years behind a team like the Celtics. So it's it's not looking good. And I am so sorry for talking so much about the NBA in a so-called magic podcast, I think we we could definitely talk about something else. Uh, I don't know. I'm like currently just looking at the Bulls roster and being like, ah, yes, yeah, some of these guys are all right. How do they play together? You can't just all support one star. There's only one ball. You don't need to. Yeah. So scoring is the most overrated thing in the NBA. It's like there's only one basketball. So can you share the ball? Can you play defense? Like the Boston Celtics do it so well. And the Bulls do not do any of that well. So. well hopefully they get uh, better with age. Sometimes it really is like the same players and they just need to work together and like have the right person in charge, the right coach kind of getting them to foster that teamwork. Yes, it's it's about the chemistry. Um, <laughs> but I, I'll, let me go back to Welcome something. To the sports podcast. <laughs> I, I am so sorry, Amy. I just... I, I, no, I opened, no, don't I apologize Pandora's to me. Box. I don't care. Okay. I, again, I'm from Boston. I yes. don't, I do not even need to watch sports to talk about sports because I have grown it's in your up blood. with sports. It's in your veins. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is going to sound like a cult ritual to anybody who is not from Boston. But when I was in middle school and the Red Sox made it to the World Series, there were three school-wide assemblies where we would gather outside and start chanting to support the Red Sox as just a bunch of children in a suburb that are just like, yeah, let's go Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, flip the bird. And we're just like, we're kids. We don't know what's going on, but we like yelling stuff. And we got to miss a class for this. This is great. This is a public school, by the way. This, this is real. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Um, it's just, okay. That that's, a, that's a whole nother level. Like I, I, I know this is a very illustrative story, but that also makes me wonder like, okay, if they're doing that, then what else are they doing? And for the past, like 20, 30 years. And that's just an incredible story. Knowing Heading that you 500 have kids out into a field to start yelling about baseball. Right. That's, <laughs> that's actually a little bit cult-like but uh, not, we're not, we're not going to fully not going to fully go there because you have to understand for people like me who didn't grow up in the U.S. who who didn't grow up in Boston everything we know about Boston is like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and you know Goodwill Hunting and the town and that's 
pretty much violence it. Violence and sports. Mm-hmm. Violence and sports. And I feel like there are actually people like Bill Simmons, the sportscaster, who are like really perpetuating that stereotype as well. Because whenever you <laughs> listen to Simmons, it's always okay. So this is also like hugely tangential, but I, I grew up like kind of like reading the sports guy, like his column for some reason. And he was the first guy that sort of made me realize it was okay to combine like sports with pop culture because he was always talking about the wire and, and the NBA and wrestling. I thought that was really cool, but he's never like lost that shtick. So it's like, whenever he's talking about the NBA now, it's just the stupidest takes, but it's also always talking about like Hollywood and Ben Affleck and, Matt Damon, like he's never lost that. He might be like, Wait, so he didn't even old. change what media he was referencing. He's just like, oh, you know, the 90s were peak filmmaking. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I think he upgraded The Wire to Game of Thrones, but then that show got really bad. So I, I don't know what he's doing now, but it's it's like that's Boston sports for me is like Bill Simmons. All right. And that's Boston the world of Boston is like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And that's all I know. And today talking to you, I learned some other things and I'm hugely grateful for it. You know? Yeah. It's a beautiful city. That's also a sports cult (laughs) (laughs) and not one sport, all the sports. So I want to change gears a little bit. Actually, there there really is no gear. Like we just just went everywhere, anywhere we wanted to, but, um, but just in terms of, you know, you being such a longtime streamer, you know, Justin TV era and also after like oh, way before that, yeah. way, way before that it was there wasn't even Justin. It was it was just I don't know what it was. Um, stick AM. That's where I started. Stick AM. Shout out to Stick AM. The question is, because you're such a longtime streamer or person who streams, how have you seen Twitch evolve maybe over the last five to 10 years? Like like, is it going in a good direction? Is it going in a, in a confusing direction? Like, what are your thoughts on it that you're allowed to talk about? Maybe they're going to, uh, hopefully you're not going to say anything. That's I, I like... really don't have insider information. I can tell you that Twitch has more competition. It kind of ebbs and flows with things like YouTube gaming, Mixer, Facebook gaming, all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitch is still very much dominant in that field. They kind of offer the best platform for it, but the big change that has happened on Twitch is that they've started regulating their content a lot more. And I think this is a great thing because as a woman who has been streaming and was streaming in their teenage years, people are awful. Like people online, especially when they're like anonymized behind mm-hmm. whatever their username is, will just be so cruel, especially to young women, uh, people from marginalized backgrounds. They're just the worst and Mm -hmm. having actual moderating tools and ways to kind of level that playing field. And a lot of people don't even realize that this levels the playing field, having an auto mod. And I kind of wish it were forced to be enabled on everybody's channel means that, Hey, do you want to be a racist shit bag? Well, you can't do it here and you can't do it anywhere else. So like streamers don't feel pressured to let you bully them or anybody else. Mm -hmm. That is definitely a good, direction and it just how do i how do i put this like because you've been streaming for so long like how did you deal with that stuff in your past when like there were not these moderation tools like i'm not even talking about automated but like maybe in the past like couldn't even kick off somebody who is like racist shitbag like how how do you i guess the question Uh, is like how did you develop your coping mechanisms or or your thick skin like through doing that because i imagine it's hard right 
I don't know. I guess I've just kind of been terminally online and I'm pretty sure when I was like 13 and the first time I ever used a voice chat in like Counter-Strike, I was told that I got gayed when somebody killed me and I was like, all right. So people just kind of say whatever and words have no meaning. There's no filter. All right. I'm just I'm just going to vibe with this and ignore as much of it as I can. <laughs> the answer is like, try to be forceful. Like I'll come off as a bitch to a lot of people because I'm like, no, I know what happens if I permit this kind of weird behavior and it turns into this really bad behavior. Right. Well, the vibe I get from you watching your streams is that you're very positive and wholesome. And before talking to you today, honestly, I had no idea that you went through a lot of that. But I mean, it's it's really presumptions for me to not assume that you went through that because I, I mean, think if you see a woman who has been streaming at all for even like been the abused, first right? day streaming, yeah, yeah, they've been they've been put up with that shit. Um, um, there's like, I can tell you that there's grooming rampant across the internet. I didn't know what that was when I was a kid. I was just subject to it, and now as an adult, I try to put a stop to it. But the people who moderate the spaces where I see it are like. No, nah, it's fine. It's just kids being kids. I'm like, no, no, no. That one's an adult. Right. That one's an adult. And what they're doing is really weird. Yeah. So, so Twitch having those sorts of new tools is, is definitely a positive, right? Definitely. Okay. What else is Twitch doing now that they haven't done before that you might be a fan of or not a fan of? A lot of it I haven't gotten to really experience. They've added a lot of the partner features for what are called affiliates and uh, affiliate didn't really exist. Uh, I kind of went from like regular streamer, affiliate existed for a couple months and then I was partnered. Um, but like getting these kind of exclusive things that would normally only be for professional streamers for less professional streamers is cool. It kind of like gives you a taste of how to manage all of these different things going on and build up your channel at a slower rate rather than kind of like being thrown into the big leagues. I mean, Twitch doesn't change that much. It's the games change, but the streaming doesn't. Uh, I can tell you that when I started streaming, there was no video game streaming. All you did was you streamed yourself in front of a camera and you talked to people or you talked to other streamers. That's it. That was the whole thing. And, um, Computers at the time couldn't handle like X split and the other like capture programs unless they were really, really powerful and mm -hmm. getting the equipment to like a capture card or the equivalent of that was only for professional studios. So you can stream games, you stream to talking and now it's like you stream talking, but also there's a game unless you're a really good player. And then you just kind of play like you sit in the corner or you're like not even on camera at all. And there's just a game happening and, and people will be like, Dang, that's some good Apex Legends. I don't yeah. even care about who this guy is. That's some good Apex Legends. <laughs> For sure. All right. So this is the last part of the, uh, the recording. We're going to do the roundtable questions. I have carefully curated the questions so that there's no crazy ones. And um, are you okay to do it, the roundtable? Yeah, let's party. All right. Number one, how do you continuously stay so fly and cool? Oh, I think I know who asked that one. That's from an Apex Legends player who's really good at Apex Legends. Oh, what's um, the uh, what's the in joke there? Oh, he's just really cool. He's just a cool guy. Monsoon. He's really, really good at the game. Um, no in joke. Just a cool guy. How do I stay fly and cool? Uh, I drink ice water, clearly. 
uh, how do I say so fly? Well, you know, I'm just zipping up every day, having a good time. I just, I try to take things as they come and um, keep myself not stressed out. Okay. Excellent answer. <laughs> Next question. During your journey of playing Magic the Gathering, have you come across a deck that stands out in your mind even years after playing against it? What's the one deck that will forever be etched in your mind, either playing against it or playing it? Okay, I played one game of Modern against a Hogak and one ever in my entire life. And my opinion of Hogak was, oh my God, I can't believe that this is, wait, what did you do? It's turn two, what's happening? <laughs> and anyway, so Hogak is a mistake. Uh, good riddance. And that's my opinion of modern as a format in general is, oh God, what's happening? It's turn two. And don't even like look at like, like legacy and vintage. That's like, oh God, what's happening? It's turn one. This is ridiculous. Uh, other decks yeah. that have, you know, stuck out to me. Um, there's some combo decks. Some of them are really cool and I love watching them. These ones that have like lots of moving pieces. And then there's combo decks that are like, and then they get out Paradox Engine and they do Paradox Engine things and I can leave. I don't, I don't need to watch this again. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I like to see the variety of decks. A lot of them don't like stick with me though because there's just so many to see. Okay. Yes. And yes, Hogak was a mistake. Hogak was pretty bad. Um, I'm glad you didn't get Belchard or like turn zeroed or turn one. That like, yeah, and that, I've that never happens. played against a Splinter Twin. So okay. unban Splinter Twin so I can play against it and then ban it again. Yeah. You, you should ask uh, your cousin Ed about that. He probably has played with oh, or yeah. against Splinter sure. Twin. I'm sure he could like give you an essay on why it was good or why it wasn't. So yeah. He's very analytical. Um, next question. <laughs> what are these questions? What was the most interesting but worst recommendation you ever got? Oh, I get bad recommendations like every day. And I'd say the worst ones are when somebody recommends a card that is not legal in the format and will be... <laughs> James just did a spit take. I will. You can't see, but I just like, spat out my tea. Yes. They'll be like, "Why aren't you playing this card?" I'm like, "Well, it rotated six months ago. Why aren't you playing this card?" Well, um, my commander's color identity is red, and that's a <laughs> blue card. Why aren't you playing this card? This is it's like, like RTFC to the max. Yeah. What? I also get it. I'll have people who suggest cards for combos but that's not how the card works and i'm not a judge and you're trying so to read it three I'll, times like are you are you sure <laughs> it takes so much brain power to be like okay why are they suggesting this card what did they misunderstand or what am i misunderstanding and it's like trying to figure that out while being like hey let me see this card i don't think it does it does it do something that i do i not know what is this ability different? How does heroic work again? And is there something be, printed on the back of the card? <laughs> is it to transform? I'm not sure. It's usually not like a specific card. I can't remember them all, but that's that's the big one. People will tell me to put a card into a deck that is not legal in the deck. What about non-magic related? Have have you do you remember any recent thing that someone recommended you do that maybe you tried to do it, but it turned out pretty bad in retrospect? So it's more like a question about regret. That's how I'm going to reformulate the question. Hmm. Give me a second to think about it. 
All right. I don't have a very serious answer, but I have a partial answer. Okay. Uh, so folks in my stream recommended that I watch Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure because, quote, the show is horny. Well, I watched the first season and it's not horny at all. It's not bad, though. <laughs> it's a pretty fun show. <laughs> Do you have do you, do you have some chat overlap with Boxy? Because she was telling me how she yes like she, like she got <laughs> roped into playing uh what was that game because it was supposed to be a horny dating sim. Oh Hades! Yes. So she didn't understand why we were calling the game horny. Hades is a very horny oh as in game. demons like like I don't... it's Greek mythos. Everybody's having sex with everybody, and everybody is super hot in that game. <laughs> Thus, okay. it's a horny game but also it's like you know uh isometric ish uh roguelike game it's really good it's like a great game i'll recommend hades any day mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right okay next question this is from me this is going to be like one of those uh lofty questions all right just i'm just feeling it amy what is it what would you suggest or what advice do you have for women who are wanting to get into Magic the Gathering for the first time, either playing Magic or becoming a Magic content creator, you can choose. All right. If, I'm going to kind of answer both of them very quickly. If you're a woman and you want to learn how to play Magic or learn how to play more Magic, find somebody who is willing to teach you. Ideally, somebody else who has a similar experience to you. Find a friendly store. I know that that can take work. Or just boot up arena because then nobody knows you're a girl and you can have fun and you can just be like, ha 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 ha, I'm playing my Llanowar elf and nobody can stop me. This is the coolest card ever. And if you want to get into content creation, uh, my biggest advice will be have fun. Don't ever try to make it into work because the second you start doing that, you're going to stop enjoying it. And that is not the key to success. Do you consider what you do now for streaming work? Yeah, it's work, but like it's work I enjoy. When did when did that line change like from it not being work to being work? Was it when you went full time or was it another time? I think it's when I went full time. When you start hitting 40 hours a week, um that's I would say I was going full time. I work like 60 to 80 hours a week now. Um and I know that that's a lot more than a lot of other people, but that's how much I enjoy it. I don't feel stressed out. I worked 60 to 80 hours at my job at Amazon and I was like coming home and crying and then opening up my laptop to keep working. That was bad. I don't do that with this. I like open up arena and I'm like another day of playing pioneer gonna play some Coco angels today. You all have to watch. This is for me, not for you. Right. Excellent. So yeah, I'm not going to ask you about Amazon. doesn't sound like it was that great a place for you to to work at it wasn't bad it was just really stressful um i'll give like a quick background on it sure it was my second job out of college my first job out of college was also at amazon but this job was uh i was working as a mechanical engineer design designing the interface between humans and the robots in the warehouses so for anybody who doesn't know there are like there are already thousand of these interfaces that i designed out there in the wild and there's probably like a hundred thousand more now, a couple of years later, just like them. And uh, being a junior engineer and designing something that is essentially the 
source of torment for so many people never feels good when you have to make a concession like i have to make this thing more comfortable because they're forcing me to make them work harder like that that feels bad or like the deadline for me got moved up but if i don't complete this feature then it's going to be worse for the people who are working in the warehouses that feels bad it's it was just bad vibes all around also i was one woman uh of two on a team of like 40 people Mm-hmm. also bad mm-hmm. so it just sounds like a real pressure cooker and yeah. uh okay last question for you okay for people that want to find you on social or online what's the best place for people to find you online where you want to You're be really found? asking the tough question last. that is the tough one the toughest one. I have to think about this. You can find me online at twitch.tv slash Amazonian or on Twitter at col underscore Amazonian. If you type in Amy the Amazonian, I'll also show up if you're trying to Google me. If you are Wizards of the Coast, then you can type Amyzonian, which is the concatenated version of my name, which they like to use. I don't know why, but that's also my email, amyzonian at gmail.com. If you Wait. email me questions, I might not answer them, but I will see them. Read-only mode. Uh, wait, I thought that... I was going to ask you about that. I totally forgot. So th- I lied. That This is my last question, all right? Like, so Amy Zonian <laughs> was something that they created for you? I thought you were going by Amy Zonian, and then you somehow decided, I don't want that anymore. So I went back to Amy the Amazonian. Amy Zonian is a URL I've owned on Twitch that I used for a bot briefly. It was never my nickname. Uh, it's just the concatenation of Amy the Amazonian. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, for some reason, Wizards of the Coast put that in on like a bunch of title cards. And so now you can find me if you look at that. I'm pretty sure that's the header on my Tumblr page too. Oh yeah. And if you uh, are an adult and you want to look at shit posting, uh, radica.tumblr.com. That's R-A-T-I-C-A dot Tumblr.com. That's not an official social media for um, my streaming website. That's where I, I like, post about luigi or star trek characters getting shot this is a picture of a cat this is a greater colonoscopy the instantaneous gnome attack uh here's a picture (laughs) uh here's a picture of merlin as rendered in kingdom hearts with the caption i need him carnally yeah no that's not where the serious content is that's where the dumb bullshit is but yeah, I will, come follow me there too. I, I will be sure to put that in the show notes. The, the shout out to Tumblr, man. I, that's a name I have not. That's Still a site I've not visited in a minute. That is very cool. Um, Amy, thank you so much today. I felt like I got the the dark web version of Amy, which is really cool. And uh, thank you so much for your time and taking the time to talk to me. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Um, I, I hope that you get some some fun stuff out of this episode. Thanks for talking basketball with me. Uh, let's go see you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Humans of Magic. To support the show, visit humansofmagic.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at humansofmagic. And you can also consider supporting us at patreon.com slash humans of magic. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.